Welcome to another edition of the PW Mania Hot Tag Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Justin C. Joined this week by both my co-host, Cam, and the chairman, Stephen Vincent, as we are here to recap WWE Backlash taking place for this past Saturday in Puerto Rico. Talk about that, catch up on what happened with Raw, what's going to happen on SmackDown with the World Title Tournament, and also talk a little AEW this week, kind of recapping the last few week shows and going into our thoughts about what is going on there. Uh, but let's start with Backlash taking place, like I said, it was last Saturday, a very, very hot crowd in Puerto Rico. I mean, they were there from start to, to finish. You had, uh, you know, the, them cheering EO in the beginning and then booing Bianca. You had them going all out for uh, Bad Bunny. I mean, just that whole show, they were just going crazy for everything. It's weird seeing the bloodline being involved in, I guess, what you would call the cool-down match by having Bad Bunny, Damian Priest go on before them and had Cody and Brock go after, but the crowd was still into it for all of it. So it's one thing where if you have an amazing crowd like that, it can add to even an average or a lackluster show. But I thought the show overall itself was pretty good. Um, you know, the wrestling was good. Nothing was like over the top great, but I thought, you know, Bad Bunny put on one of the best celebrity performances you'll see in a wrestling ring ever. Maybe the best. Uh, you had Carlito appearances. You had Savio Vega appearances in that match. Um, you had Brock Lesnar getting busted open hard way in his match with Cody and Cody coming out on top, even though it looks like that feud is going to continue. Um, so just before we get into like kind of the nuts and bolts of it, uh, I'll ask you, Chairman, first. What were your thoughts on the show? Um, I didn't see the show. I kind of decided to skip the show. I just felt nothing was really must-see for me. And none of the titles changed hands, as I expected. I mean and bad bunny i can't stand him so but you know i was praising him of course and the crowd was hot i heard and i mean i guess the cool thing is seeing carlito and Sago vega take part in the show i know carlito's been involved in a couple things now and you know last few years and there's of course the fan base clamoring for him to make a epic return and you know there's worse people you could bring back for a type of run so why not i'm, I'm all for it but you know obviously i'm more intrigued to see what happens next with some of these uh stories I know you bring up Bianca and EO and the crowd was cheering for EO and Boo and Bianca. And that's kind of like uh, a lot of talk about there. So I guess we break that match down. Uh, we'll talk more about that. But I guess the Internet community is done with Bianca, apparently. Yeah, either them, who knows? Just Puerto Rico. She wasn't on Raw, and obviously we're recording this before SmackDown, so we won't know what kind of reaction she gets on uh, SmackDown as far as that goes. Uh, Cam, what about you? What were your thoughts just overall on the show? I mean, I thought it was a really good show. I mean, we talked about before that they built it up a lot more than they typically would a post-WrestleMania pay-per-view where it would just be a bunch of rematches and, you know, no title changes, which happened on this show. But I thought the show was was well put together. I mean, if it was in anywhere in the States as opposed to Puerto Rico, who knows what kind of crowd reaction we'd get. But, the, you know, whenever you get the crowd super into almost every single match, um, it just kind of makes, you know, the viewers at home get more into it. I mean, the wrestlers, obviously, I think we're really into it. Um, overall, it was a really good show. I think that, you know, I didn't watch the entire show live. I was watching um, the Lakers game and the Dodgers game at the same time, so I was, like, trying to triple task. So I ended up watching, like, the second half of the show later on the night. Um, I thought Brock and Cody was was well put together. I mean, overall, I thought it was a good show. I mean, was, I think it was EO Sky, even though we all know, especially on this podcast, we're kind of behind her. I think she deserves uh, some sort of push on, on Raw and SmackDown. Um, I think the... Triple H is behind her, obviously, but at some point I would like to see her be the one that dethrones Bianca. I mean, I thought they almost were going to do it, 
at the show, but obviously there's more story to tell with the damage, damage control angle that's going on. But, I mean, overall, I'd say it was one of the better. I mean, I have to go back and look at the results and maybe try to force myself to watch a bunch of um, post-WrestleMania pay-per-views. But the only thing I can really think of that top pops off my head is the Cena-Lesnar match they had, what, 10 years ago now. Um, but, I th- yeah, I thought it was a really good show. Oh God, yeah. Wasn't uh, also wasn't Backlash also the uh, the greatest match ever with Edge and um, Edge and Randy Orton? I feel like that was a thing too. Um, yeah, I just to say we're going back real quick. Twenty twenty two had the Bloodline against Drew McIntyre and RK Bro in the main event. Another, it had Cody Seth Rollins opening the show last year. Ronda beating Charlotte in an I Quit match. Go back to 2021. That is Roman Reigns Cesaro for the Universal Championship. Um, Lashley, Braun, and Drew. A triple threat match for the WWE title. Uh, Rhea Ripley, Asuka, and Charlotte for the Raw Women's title. Ray and, Ray and Dominic teaming together. And yeah, 2020 was the greatest wrestling match ever between edge and randy orton that went um oh it doesn't even have a time next to it uh yeah it was still a pandemic era nothing that great there um yeah so yeah you probably have to go back a little bit ways to find a, a really good show um and like you said let's go to cody and brock i mean it kind of ended like weirdly uh you know that was actually one of the, the one match i was able to see live i had to go back and watch the rest of it later um, but I got home in time to watch that match. Uh, Brock gets busted open hard way. They didn't shy away from showing it. They didn't have somebody stop the match. I mean, I'm sure you can imagine, you know, trying to stop Brock, you know, trying to go up there and stopping the match with Brock Lesnar in the ring. That just ain't going to happen. Um, so you, it's, I think I saw the report that it was planned hard way for him to get busted open like that. And, you know, Brock probably knows what he's doing by this point in his career. And he has Cody in the Kimura and Cody pins him down with the shoulders to the mat and gets the win and comes out and I thought it was funny at the end, like the last shot you see is somebody throwing Brock Lesnar a towel and him just wiping his face and throwing it down. And then the next night on raw Brock Lesnar comes back out. He costs Cody his chance to win the world championship, which I think is the smart thing because Cody winning the world title at this point wouldn't make any sense given where his story was uh, going into WrestleMania. It would just kind of seem like a, like a participation trophy award for Cody where it's like, you didn't win the big one, but here's your runner up prize. And it's his participation trophy. That's not, I'm not devaluing the world title. When I say that, I just think as far as Cody's story goes, that's what you have to look at. And Brock telling Cody that he wants a fight and they're going to fight in Saudi Arabia. So I don't know if that means it's going to be some kind of street fight, maybe a hell in a cell match, but it seems like it's going to be some kind of, no DQ match where Brock tries to get his revenge on uh, Cody. All he kept saying was he wants a fight with that very scary looking face with a cut above his head, a black eye, a thick, zoomed in camera shot on Brock like that. Imagine that being the last thing you see before you go to sleep at night, kids. Um, but uh, Chairman, I'll ask you, what are your thoughts on the Cody Brock match and the story that continuing going forward? I mean, the match, you know, the right person won, you know, I backlash with Cody. I mean, Brock has what the Camaro lock in and then Cody did the old roll up a and Brock bled for you. He bled for your sins. So, you know, everyone's happy, I guess. Apparently Brock bleeds when he wants to bleed. He don't care what anybody says, you know, I guess who's going to tell Brock now, honestly, plus he's a major draw. He's going do what he wants. He doesn't, you know, have a brand, but you know, he doesn't have to follow the door test apparently. So Brock does what Brock wants. Um, you pretty much knew kind of how raw was structured with the two triple threat matches. 
which I thought was really weird for a tournament because like, oh, two triple threat matches because like, when I saw it was 12 participants, six me show, I'm like, how are they going to do this? Someone's going to get a bye. So then, you know, you saw the first match and then you saw the second match and then it was, you know, Cody, Finn, and Miz, or not Miz, or was it Miz? I don't know. I can't, can't keep track anymore. So much going on. But, uh, you know, I was like, okay, Brock's probably going to screw Cody over if that's the route they want to go to keep the feud alive. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. Personally, I would have had Brock come back at the main event and let Cody win the first match and then had Seth beat Cody thanks to Brock because, A, Seth finally gets one of Cody, even though it's kind of dirty. But it's at the end of the night, so it's kind of like a bit more of a wow factor versus the way they did things. But whatever. What's done is done. But, you know, obviously we go to the next show and whether or not Cody wins again or Brock wins and then they have a, you know, the rubber match at the Money in the Bank or whatever they choose to have at SummerSlam. You know, so be it, but the program's fine. It's working. Brock's out for revenge. He wants a real fight. So this it's a good story because it keeps Cody out of the title scene for the moment, too. He's And, you know, we obviously don't think he needs to be winning this new title. Obviously, the title he wants is in Roman's hands. So I think his next best route is to take care of Brock, put himself in the hat for money in the bank, and go try to slay Roman whenever that time comes. That would be the best route for Cody, in my opinion. Yeah, I thought about the idea of Cody and Seth, but I was like, there's no way they're giving that away on a Raw without any buildup, even though it probably would have been the best match, even though Seth and Finn uh, was good as well. Um, yeah, I mean, the way he won, you know, is kind of, you know, not 100% convincing. So if you go out there and do Brock Cody again and you try to have Cody actually beat him in a fight and he wins, you know, it gets a little bit better. Or if, I don't know if they're going to make it a, a trifecta and have Brock win the rematch and then maybe do Cody Brock again at SummerSlam um, with Cody winning Money in the Bank in between. Because as we know, you have to lose before going into Money in the Bank and winning it. Uh, so that leaves that possibility there. But it's been a good program. Uh, and like I said, the crowd's still fully into Cody, so that's good. Um, so I'm looking forward to it continuing and seeing, you know, as much as I liked happy-go-lucky Brock Lesnar, I think even like psycho farmer killer Brock Lesnar with the beard is just as good. Um, and before I go over to you, Cam, real quick, I went back to 2018 as well for Backlash. This was the Daniel Bryan uh, Big Cass match and Roman Reigns beating Samoa Joe in the main event with no – this was when Brock was still champion, so there was no champ. Uh, Carmella beat Charlotte Flair. Yeah, so that's what you were looking at. Hey, and Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn were teaming together, but they lost to Braun Strowman and Bobby Lashley. So that's what you're looking at in 2018. Yikes. Uh, but your thoughts on Brock and Cody Cam? I mean, I thought the match was put together super well. I mean, I think both guys looked very, very good. Like Cody gets like the quote, like cheap win, even though it's not a cheap win, like the roll up that Brock didn't expect to happen. Um, I thought the beginning, it was great, you know, like if only AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan and Finn Balor and all these like really great wrestlers that have got to have their really good singles matches with Brock Lesnar years ago, if only they would have thought to beat the shit out of Brock Lesnar with, with, the, with the chair and with the, the stairs before the bell rings, because of anything that happens before the bell rings is totally illegal. Uh, so everyone keep that in mind going forward. Um, but yeah, I thought the match was great. I mean, I thought when... We talked about it last week, and we talked about other Seth or Cody was going to, you know, be the be the new champion. Um, I mean, I, I'm kind of mad at all three of us for not thinking that Brock Lesnar wasn't going to show up the next, the two nights later after like basically getting um, beat by like a, a little cheap roll up move. 
that he wasn't going to show up and beat the crap out of Cody Rhodes. So I'm kind of disappointed in all three of us that at least one of us didn't have the idea of that was going to happen. Um, you know, I'm glad Finn got a little bit of shine. You know, he got to be in the main event. Um, I'm interested to see what's going to happen with, with the SmackDown triple threat matches, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. But yeah, I mean, I think this is the best thing for Cody. We talked about last week that it would be a consolation prize. And again, that's not disrespecting whoever the, the next new WWE world champion is, even though they've had a world champion. So that the whole title thing is confusing. Um, just split the fucking title triple H to say, you know what, Roman, you're not around enough. I'm, I'm taking one of the titles off. You can be on SmackDown or whatever. Um, I lost my train of thought because I'm so pissed off at the way they're like calling this title a, a new title, even though it's not a freaking new title. Um, I don't know. I think that it's it's good for Cody. Like I said, it's a consolation prize. We talked about that. Um, and yeah, I mean, if he wins Money in the Bank, Money in the Bank is before SummerSlam, correct? Or is it after this year? Uh, it's before. I think it's like Joel. It's like one of the first two weeks in July. Oh, okay. And then SummerSlam is August. Okay. Yeah. Um, if Cody wins Money in the Bank, assuming Roman Reigns is in the building that night, he almost has to cash in that night, right? Like him walking around the briefcase, that doesn't really fit where Cody's character is. They're almost demeaning the character. We're almost borderline AEW territory where Cody like booked himself out of ever being the world champion three months into being a fucking uh, promotion. Um, we're almost borderline on that territory. If they have Cody kind of walk out there with the money in the bank thing for a few weeks, a month, like either win it, come out on raw and say, Roman, I'm challenging you to the main event at SummerSlam and that's done. <clears throat> or if Roman for some reason has a match or it would even be better if the, we had some sort of combination of the Usos and Sammy or whatever the match is at money in the bank, maybe solo versus riddle who knows. Um, and Roman comes down and somehow gets beat up too. And you have Cody come down and cash in. I think that's the, the best option or Cody wins. And the next night a raw comes out and says, Roman, I'm challenging you at SummerSlam. Like there's no way you can't treat Cody, like have him <clears throat> walk around for a few weeks, a month, two months, um, and have him like, Oh, I'll, I'm going to cash in eventually. No, it's either got to be right away or he's got to call him out the next night and challenge him to a match at SummerSlam. Yeah, agreed. It doesn't really fit Cody's thing to sneak a cash in on Roman Reigns to get the title. Like it's like, and I keep I hate using the word his story because he used it so much during his promo time. But it's not how his story would work with him just a cheap win like that with no build up whatsoever. So I, I do hope you know I, it's a it's a long term story. I don't think it should go to WrestleMania next year. I don't need to see that again at WrestleMania. But if you want to do Cody Roman at SummerSlam again, I think it was at Ford Field in Detroit. You know another big crowd there. Uh, and get the title off Roman there. And then, of course, you have Cody going probably to SmackDown again, and you have a whole new dilemma with the belts. Then who the hell knows uh, what goes on uh, with that from there. Uh, speaking of the world title, we'll just kind of transition into that there while it's hopping back and forth between um, uh, that and Backlash again. So we had the two matches for uh, the world title this past Monday on Raw that saw uh, Seth Rollins and Finn Balor win them respectively. And then going into the main event, we saw Seth Rollins defeat Finn Balor. Uh, so Seth Rollins is automatically in the finals for that tournament. And then that leads us to what is going to be happening on SmackDown this coming Friday, where we will also have two triple threat matches um, heading into that show. So we have the first match being... AJ Styles, Edge, and Rey Mysterio, and then the second match being Austin Theory, Bobby Lashley, and Sheamus, with the winner uh, with the winners facing each other at the end of the night, 
And then the winner facing uh, Seth Rollins at the, I believe, Saudi Arabia show in on the 27th. Um, so I thought Seth was kind of the obvious one there. Uh, after Finn won, you had him beat Damian. You had Seth beat Damian Priest and Nakamura. Though I thought there might have been an outside chance Nakamura might win. And then you had Finn beat Cody in the Miz. Um, looking at these matches here, I I don't know because I don't think I think Rey Mysterio is the least likely of the three to win in the first one. So that leaves me with AJ Styles and Edge, and. I, I would probably lean AJ Styles there. And then I'd honestly would probably go in the second match, maybe Sheamus. So you get AJ Styles and Sheamus in the main event. And I think you're looking at AJ Styles and Seth Rollins in the final match to determine the new world heavyweight champion. That would be my initial pick here. I don't mind them doing it like this. I mean, I know they were trying to do this to... um, to keep ratings and keep people view interested because of all the NBA and NHL playoffs going on. Um, so I don't really mind them doing it. Although for SmackDown, I think two triple threat matches and then the main event is kind of tight on time. It's almost like your whole show right there, depending on how much time you want to give them. But uh, I think AJ Styles ends up coming out on top of all six of these uh, going forward. Um, and then, you know, if he wins and goes to Raw, does, like, does somebody from Raw move over to SmackDown? Or do, they, do they just not care? I don't think they would have the world champion on uh, on SmackDown as well, although I think it would have been hilarious, especially when Paul Heyman teased it, like I said a couple weeks ago, if Roman just ended up winning this title too and just started collecting all of them. But yeah, so I'm going to go with AJ and Sheamus in the winners with AJ winning in the end. So that's my prediction. So what are you looking at here, Chairman, for your uh, winners? Let's just uh, acknowledge that Drew McIntyre was not involved here. I mean, there's a lot of chatter that uh, he's unhappy right now. So kind of big because obviously he probably would have been somebody involved in one of these matches on Raw had he not be around right now. But um, I just want to say the Rollins-Nakamura-Priest match was awesome. It was very well done match, really good match. You know, I love seeing Nakamura getting a big spot again. He was, you know, a fantastic wrestler a few years ago. And I'm glad to see him back in a kind of a main event caliber area. And Damian Priest, you know, he's getting his moment, you know, with Bad Bunny at Backlash. And, you know, a lot of people are building to talking him up, you know. And we've, we've all been talking about Damian Priest for a while now. You know, we've been on that bad wing forever. But, you know, now it's nice to see him, you know, involved in big matches like this. And Judgment Day, pretty much that whole fashion has elevated each other, you know. So phenomenal stuff there. But um, back to the topic at hand here, you know. Yeah, I mean, AJ Styles, Seth Rollins, you know, it's kind of a match that people want to see again, and I think the circumstances call for it. Like, Edge definitely has a sleeper potential here because, you know, he's kind of on his last run, and it'd be a feel-good story to see him fighting for a world championship again, maybe even winning it, you know, but I don't think Edge would be the one at this point in his career to call himself the first champion, but, and Ray, same thing. And, you know, Sheamus, obviously, he's had some bangers, you know, the last, you know, while now since Fight Night, all Brawl and Bruce, where you want to call them all started up. So I definitely agree with you, Justin. I definitely think it's going to be AJ and Sheamus in the finals. And you're right. I mean, with a two-hour window here, I mean, they're probably almost going to have to delay it a week for the final match, which is kind of weird, like, why Raw had Seth and Finn go at it this week. Like, you guys could have kind of prolonged this thing a bit now because now it's like, oh, Seth's won it already. Now we just got how many weeks until the – event so it's kind of weird how they did that but it's kind of cool to see Seth and Finn you know despite not having Cody because 
Seth and Finn obviously wrestled at SummerSlam 2016 for the Universal Championship. So it's kind of cool to see those two fighting in a big match again for the right to call themselves the first world heavyweight champion or if this belt started a new lineage. But this is exciting stuff, like you said. There's a lot of other stuff going on with basketball and hockey playoffs and spring, summer stuff going on. You know, this definitely puts some new life into things, especially with Roman playing bitch and hiding again like he always does. Yeah, uh, Roman is scheduled to appear on SmackDown this Friday for the first time since Mania, so who knows what that'll bring. There's been dissension in the bloodline with the Usos and Solo Sequoia and Solo almost attacking um, Jay at uh, Backlash, so who knows what that'll end up bringing. But, uh, Cam, who are you going with here on the SmackDown side of things for the world title? Yeah, I mean, I agree with Chairman. That was going to be the first thing I said. I said they have the two triple threat matches, and then your main event of Raw next week is... Seth versus Finn Balor. That's really easy. It's kind of weird that they did that. Same thing with SmackDown. They have the matches, then the main event of SmackDown next week is that. Uh, makes no sense to me. It's kind of weird. Um, I mean, I process of elimination. Raised obviously it's a triple threat, so there's outside disqualification or outside interference. There is no disqualification. Uh, you know, Dominic or you know someone's gonna show up and you know make sure Rey Mysterio doesn't win. I'm actually gonna go Edge here though. I mean, I love AJ Styles and I mean. Triple H has been pushing, you know, some people back up the card. You know, Nakamura has been coming back up the card. Uh, Seth Rollins, I think, is our future first-time WWE World Heavyweight Champion. Um, there's guys that are getting pushes that have been deserving him for a while. Uh, I just don't think Triple H is quite, quite there with AJ Styles. I mean, Styles has had a great run, obviously a great career, and I'm a huge fan with him as I sit here in an AJ Styles shirt. Um, but I just don't think Vince or Triple H is quite there yet or – Maybe they're just, you know, they need to slow build them just like they did with the Judgment Day. You know, we talked about the Judgment Day for months and months. Like, they're a good stable. They have a good look. Like, Rhea obviously is like the alpha. You got Damian Priest. You have Finn. You got Dominic, who's really improved. Um, they need a championship, and they need to be solidified. You know, Rhea's got a title now. Uh, Damian Priest has been getting mad, had a match with Bad Bunny. He's involved with major storylines. So there is a lot to look forward with the Judgment Day. But with the match, I'm going to go. I think Edge wins that match. And I think um, the second match kind of tough. I'm going to go Bobby Lashley, and I think Edge beats Bobby Lashley. And one of your co-main events in the Saudi Blood Money show is Edge versus Seth Rollins for the world title, and I think Seth Rollins is going to win it. Yeah, I think I think Seth Rollins is definitely the odds-on favorite, uh, no matter who comes out for the SmackDown side. Mostly because I don't think they would just go ahead and switch somebody after doing that whole draft. Um, you know, Chairman, you brought up Drew McIntyre here, and I'm talking about you know he was the main draft pick of Raw. I believe he was picked in the, if not one of the first or the second set of picks uh, on the show he was drafted on. But he's, I think he might still be out of dealing with some injuries. But yeah, his contract's reportedly up at the end of the year. There's been talk that he's not happy. There's been talk that. Um, you know, they're far apart on money. So I don't know if Drew McIntyre is necessarily a guy you look at and just fits in AEW. I mean, you know, that's assuming you just say he automatically goes there. But I kind of think they're holding off on him to maybe bring him back after the world title tournament and have him be a major heel. Because I think Raw, the Raw side of things definitely needs uh, another, like, single heel star that's just not, like, you know, Judgment Day on their own. And I think... Drew McIntyre has kind of gone stale almost as a face. I mean, we were we were on the Drew McIntyre train even before he won the Royal Rumble. We were calling for it. We were on it when he won the title. He kind of got screwed over when COVID hit and not being able to, you know, defend the title in front of any fans when he was champion, unfortunately. 
So he kind of got screwed over there. But even when he came back, like after, you know, even when the fans came back after a while, he just kind of, you know, he lost that to Bobby Lashley at the first uh, WrestleMania after COVID. And we were all kind of like, well, that was dumb. We thought it would be Drew's chance to finally get his win in front of the crowd. And I think he's definitely somebody that if you want to turn somebody heel and have a big challenger for Seth on the Raw side of things, um, he's your number one pick to do that. Um, Just what are your thoughts, Chairman, on the the whole Drew situation? Yeah, I mean, I don't think he would leave WWE. I mean, AEW, we talked about that time and time again. I just don't think there's a place for Drew Galloway's style in AEW. I think he fits the WWE well. And, you know, I, I agree with you, Justin. I think a heel turn is definitely needed. You know, he can definitely come back refreshed. I think he's accomplished all he has as a baby face. And he kind of even got a little corny there with the whole countdown thing in the corner and the sword. And it just got really weird. And Drew does some good stuff as a heel. We've seen it before. He can definitely do it again. Um, maybe he can get free agent Dolph Ziggler in his corner because he's obviously not, nothing going on at the moment. And then we can have another great tag team to challenge Sammy and uh, KO maybe because we all know that bloodline field of theirs has run its course. But um, yeah, I mean, we could do, you know, Drew and Seth at SummerSlam, getting really ahead of myself here, but that would definitely be a worthy match in my opinion should they pursue that. But, again, we don't know if the contract talks are solid things or if there's an injury or if there's a plan in place for Drew. But if we're up to me, that would definitely be the way to go. Yeah, what about you, Cam? What are your thoughts on the Drew McIntyre situation? I mean, he, he left, he came back, he had a great run. You know, we were, like how we are, the LA Knight podcast, where we're going to root him on so he gets a world title opportunity at some point. I mean, we did the same thing with Drew McIntyre. Um I mean, I don't think his style necessarily fits AEW's, but I feel like he's kind of run his course in the WWE at this point. I feel like, I mean, obviously he could stay and have a career, but I feel like if he wants to achieve uh, main event success again at any point, I mean, he could look to AEW, but we have a track record of WWE guys and even new signees in the last couple of years come in and don't really, you know, get pushed very well and of not being on TV for six months or wrestling on YouTube. Um, so, I mean, it, it, I'm, it's one of those weird situations where I could see him leave and I could see him, you know, maybe do the Sasha Banks thing maybe and kind of go work New Japan, maybe show up on Impact, maybe show up for AEW a little bit, kind of just be a free agent. And, I mean, when talks with money, I think things are going to get not necessarily tight with the merger because you do have, you know, UFC guys and all that stuff, even though I've heard UFC guys don't really get paid outside of the top big names. Um so we'll see what kind of contracts they these guys start handing out, you know, under the new new ownership regime. Um, but I think Drew is he's a good player. But if at some point, I mean, I think he kind of has run his course a little bit. So if he is okay with not really being pushed for a little bit and maybe going the Sheamus route and kind of just hanging out in the lower mid card um, for a year or two and then kind of reestablishing himself, then I think that's always on the table as well. Yeah, um, I'm with you. I don't think Drew's an AEW guy, but like you said, he kind of went through his run there when he went to Impact, reinvented himself. I'm sure he can go work some stuff in um, the UK. You know, I don't really know what the UK indie scene is like or their whole situation is like over there. I'm sure he could go back one over there. Hell, he could probably go back and work for Impact or like you said, even like 
a New Japan run for him, I don't think would be out of the question. I think he actually might fit in really well over there, given the the strong style stuff they have going on. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. You know, who knows? Everybody wants to talk about the MJF bidding war of 2024. We still got we might have the Drew McIntyre bidding war of 2024 uh, over here as well. Um Last thing I want to talk about before we switch up to AEW is just looking at the women's division in the WWE. And man, when I was watching the first of all, when I was watching the Rhea Dana Brooke match on Raw, I was like, oh, Dana Brooke's still around and she still hasn't improved in the 20 years she's been in WWE. Okay. And then of all freaking people, Natalia comes out to try and save her. And then this is leading us to what a Natalia um, Rhea Ripley feud for the, I guess, the SmackDown women's title on Raw. I'm assuming at some point they're going to end up trading the belts because it just looks weird that Rhea is the SmackDown women's champion yet she is on the raw side of things that just looks dumb and we don't know what's going on with Bianca Belair Uh, obviously like I said we're recording this before SmackDown so we don't know who a next challenger could be damage control is over on SmackDown so you could be looking at something where maybe that continues um you know like you said EO Sky got had her probably best main roster match uh since coming to up to the main roster uh, so maybe that'll continue. I don't know. Like we like, uh, I think it was chairman who said earlier, it's like, is Bianca's course as a face kind of running its course? I mean, like she's running through pretty much everybody. I mean, I remember when she pretty much single-handedly went through damage control. Um, yeah, it's just like, I don't know what's left for her on SmackDown or who she could possibly challenge for the title. I mean, Charlotte Flair is always lurking in the wings and they haven't done a Charlotte Bianca match yet. So that's a possibility. But there's that, and then we had Becky come back and attack Trish, who I thought's been doing some pretty good heel work um, on her side. I mean, she was always a good talker, and I always liked her work as a heel. So um, she's over there, too, and it looks like her and Becky are probably going to fight at the Saudi Arabia show. So there's some stuff going on. We've got Chelsea and Sonia, I think, fighting Liv and Raquel for uh, the, the, or the winner of... Liv and Raquel are fighting Dakota and Bailey on SmackDown. That's right. And the winners fight Chelsea and Sonya Deville on Raw, I believe. So some moving parts. Um, you know, and also real quick before I do you, Chairman, just random thought. I did not know. I Somebody brought it up to me. I saw it somewhere today. Dakota Kai is actually 35 years old. I thought she was like 25 years old. So there's your random fact for the day if you did not know how old Dakota Kai was. But uh, what do you think about what's going on right now in the women's division, Chairman? Yeah, Dakota, i seen that, like, once upon a time ago, like, when she was, like, 33. I was like, oh, dang. Anyways, good for her. She's still killing it. But, um, yeah, we definitely need some shakeup in the women's division for sure. Um, Becky Trish is definitely a program that I'm invested in. I just wonder if they're going to drag it to SummerSlam or if they're going to pull the trigger sooner. I guess we'll remain to be seen. Um, yeah, it's like I said before, Bianca is like, I think we're entering John Cena like territory here where he's, you know, everyone loves the person for a while and then they are dominant for so long. And then the crowd will start to turn. And that's kind of what we're seeing here. She really doesn't have a strong adversary right now. It's like, she kind of just, you know, does the match, big comeback, big win. And I don't know, people, people want change. It's just the way it is these days. I mean, we beat the horse down that we want to see Bianca and Rhea fight one-on-one, but again, I think we're going to have to wait about a year for that. But, you know, they move her to SmackDown, and there's really no one there because I feel like Damage Control and Asuka, pretty much the people that Bianca's been facing, it's all over there. So I was like, hmm, how are we going to switch this up? I guess it remains to be seen. 
I mean, then Italia, you know, the steal of the draft, mind you, when everybody at USA was jumping for joy and flipping tables and cups, and they were super excited to see Natalia. You know, that was that was the steal of the draft again. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's a re enhancement thing at this point. You know, the extender title reign, whatever. Uh, I'll be more curious to see what Rhea's plans are for Money in the Bank and SummerSlam. I'll be curious to see which uh, female wins Money in the Bank this year because I honestly have no idea. As long as it's not Zoe Stark, why they called her up, I have no idea. But then I see one of my favorite NXT girls, Gigi Dolan, is de- is, is down and wants to go back to PK, Priscilla Kelly. So I'm like, no, don't leave. I love you. You're one of my favorites. But yeah, that's my take on the old women's world right now. Yeah, Mandy, poor Mandy, uh, not poor Mandy, uh, but Mandy leaving uh, really screwed up Toxic Attraction because I don't think there were any, ever any plans to break them up. And that kind of screwed things over and they broke up Gigi and JC Jane and that pretty much just turned everything downhill for them. I don't think, I think Mandy leaving was just something they weren't prepared for. Um, I'm interested to see when they pull the trigger on a Rhea Becky match. They've teased it a couple times, like with just them staring each other down. Uh, so... I think that's a big match. You can maybe do that at SummerSlam if they don't stretch out Becky and Trish that long, and maybe Natty's just a placeholder for that. But I, I think Rhea Becky is your next big Rhea match, and it's just a matter of when they want to pull the trigger on it. Uh, what are your thoughts on the women's division, Cam? Yeah, I mean, at some point we have to get Rhea Becky, right? Like at some point, I think Rhea has to go through her probably Bailey at some point. Um, Charlotte Flair again at some point, maybe in Ronda Rousey, who knows? Uh, but she needs to get those big wins because I feel like she's going to have a lengthy title reign. Um, I feel like it's going to be close to a year, maybe even like a year. Who knows? I feel like she deserves it, kind of earned it. And right now, like you guys were talking about, like there's not there's not a whole bunch going on outside of like the the few big names, you know. But we have Becky and and Trish Stratus going on, which I think has been pretty good. I mean, I think Trish has done the hill the hill portion of this like really well, you know, especially on Monday Night Raw when she was talking crap to the fans and saying she wasn't there and Becky shows up, you know, I think it was well done, but you know, they're, they've been relying on Trish for here for a little bit. They had Lita come in. So, I mean, they haven't really had to do that with the women's division as opposed to the men's division over the years. So that's kind of a sign that they don't really believe in maybe any of the NXT call-ups or, you know, the women's division is getting older and they're getting a little stale. Um, but, yeah, at some point, I mean, you know, Trish and Becky can have a good match, and I think at some point maybe we get – I mean, are they going to stretch that to SummerSlam? I feel like they can't go that long. There's no way they're going to not have a match with each other for four more months or three more months, however long it is. Um, we'll see. But I think at some point, I mean, I, I assume they're going to have it soon, and then maybe at, at SummerSlam you get Rhea and Becky because you do need, like, a big women's match, and I don't think they can hold out Trish and uh, Becky for three more months. Yeah, I'm guessing since they let the women wrestle on these shows now, they'll probably be at the Saudi show at the end of the month. That's when they'll probably do it. I mean, I don't unless they hold it off till Money in the Bank in July and have Trish wrestle in uh, London. Who knows? But yeah, there's no way they can hold that off for SummerSlam and even have a couple matches lead, like then blow it off at SummerSlam. It's just way too long for a feud like that to be going on. All right, so that wraps up our WWE portion. We haven't really talked about AEW in the last couple weeks. Um, so, you know, of course, the big thing, we kind of touched on it when it was rumored is that the new Saturday show is coming. And it seems like they're trying to plant the seeds for that. 
uh, last night on Dynamite where you had, you know, obviously CM Punk is rumored to be the centerpiece of the whole thing. And then you had Miro go into Tony Khan's office and you had Thunder Rosa going to Tony Khan's office. And then Tony coming out and saying they have so many people that want to fight. He's got another major announcement next week. And I'm guessing that's going to be that his announcement will be, be the official debut of the Saturday show. But my thing is with this is that you've already got CM Punk over there. You've already got like it's like Thunder Rosa going over there, maybe Miro going over there. People who aren't like obviously Thunder Rosa apparently has heat with the, some of the women and specifically Britt Baker. CM Punk, of course, has heat with the elite and Kenny, uh, Kenny Omega, obviously, and the Young Bucks. And it's like, is the Saturday show going to be the show of the outcasts who just aren't favorites of the people running the company? I mean, hey, guys, CM Punk has drawn was a more of a ratings draw than uh, you are. And you guys have been. And it's evident by the ratings going down since Punk has been gone. And it's like. I don't know, like we've I said it before, it's like everybody needs to man up and work together. Like if you're going to make the show, the Saturday show, the show of the AEW outcast who, you know, AEW fans are all like, oh, fuck CM Punk. We love the elite when it's been like proven time and time again that Punk is way more of a draw. And it's like the same fans that praise Thunder Rosa in her, you know, build up to the title win and then shit on her after she won the title. It's like... I, I feel I would almost feel feel like I'd want to be rooting for the Saturday show at that point because if they're sending guys over there that the but Kenny and the Bucks don't want to work with it's like okay well then if those guys don't want to be adults I want to go out there and see them succeed and have a good show and there's rumors that Punk wants his first match and feud to be with Samoa Joe which I would obviously be 100% fine with obviously there's history there in Ring of Honor um, you know I think him and Joe will just have a no nonsense good fight but. You know, it was rumored that Jericho might be one of his first opponents, but I guess Punk wants it to be Joe. Uh, and then, of course, it's funny seeing people, oh, it should be whoever uh, Tony Khan tells him to uh, to feud with and have a match with. And then I'm like, OK, I say, try saying that. I'm sure you'd be saying the same thing if it was the Elite and the Bucks doing it or the Bucks and Kenny doing it as well. But uh, I'll start with you, Cam, on this side of things on AEW. Just if assuming that let's just assume that's the thoughts on the Saturday show that it's going to be like a Punk, Miro, Thunder Rosa show. Just what are your thoughts? I mean, if it is like the quote-unquote outcast show and they don't have Darby and their their other main guys show up on Saturdays to draw a rating like that, that they're creating an unnecessary divide. Like, I don't think Tony Khan's that stupid. I mean, we can make fun of the way he books some stuff here and there, but I don't think he's a dumb enough businessman to basically create his own like void in the company where you guys keep, we're going to move all these guys to these other show and they're never going to coexist and they're not going to wrestle on the pay-per-views. Are they going to have their own fucking pay-per-view? or they're going to be like ring of honor B, you know, type of thing. Like who knows? Um, I mean, if they announce this show next week, let's say Tony, that's the thing. I mean, we're all, all assuming that Tony Khan's going to come out next week. Hey, we're doing a show on Saturday now. It's hopefully two hours. It's probably only going to be an hour, which is kind of dumb. Just why don't you just make rampage two hours and not have three shows? Like it, it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, if punk's not there, like that's kind of dumb, right? Like that if they're like, yeah, and CM Punk's going to be CM Punk's return. And it's like really like these guys really can't can't get in a room and say like hey we're 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 bad like let's have a good ass show at all out like is CM Punk allowed to be at all out if he comes back in June, you know is Samoa Joe going to be booked at all out? Um, who knows? Or all in? Excuse me. Um, I don't know. I think it's it's kind of silly if it's if it's just guys that aren't really on the card. I'm glad Miro's you know finally showed up. I was watching AEW last night on 
DVR and I was like, holy shit, is that Miro? And I was like, damn, Tony Khan really is on drugs, huh? Like he just completely forgot that Miro was, he was paying this guy like a good amount of money to just to hang out or never even come to the shows. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll see how it comes out to be. I mean, the third show I think is kind of silly considering, you know, Rampage is usually one match and like a few promos and, Di- and Dynamite hasn't been very good. So another one or two hours a week of Tony Khan writing, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, it seems like I think I saw Dark and Dark Elevation are both going away. So hopefully that at least means that if they do that, I mean, they would do like an hour's worth of matches before uh, Dynamite. If you went to a Dynamite taping, maybe then you can start the show at 730, maybe do like one, two matches instead of four or five. And then you would have more of a crowd presence for Rampage or even tape Rampage beforehand and then tape Dynamite afterwards, I think, because then you'd have to obviously know what you're booking beforehand on Dynamite, and but this isn't WCW where they would book things for Thunder and then realize they can't do it because they booked Nitro or something different the week before. So I'd have a little bit more faith there in Tony Khan to, uh, to figure out that side of things. Uh, but, Chairman, your thoughts on uh, the new AEW show and, and what could it could be? I mean, Saturday night's just not ideal, but, I mean, if it's early, then it may not be so bad. I mean... That's half it right there, I think. Also, being live would definitely help. Like, tape things in this day and age where everyone can just go on social media to find out spoilers real quick or people spoil them anyway. Like, I think time slot and live, that pretty much will make a big difference on whether I care or not personally. And if we are going to play roster split, you know, because this person doesn't want to play of this person. And if we're talking about Outcast. Then you better get Heath Slater, Curtis Axel, Bo Dallas, and Adam Rose on that show because they are the OG of Social Outcast. But yeah, I mean, CM Punk, obviously, when he does make his return, it will get a ratings pop, probably the biggest AEW ratings pop in quite some time because the name holds value. There are fans out there that will tune in just for him. I mean, the elite can deny it all they want. CM Punk is a major, major draw, you know, and... I don't know who's going to work with who. I mean, I would definitely be on board with a CM Punk, Samoa Joe uh, program if this comes to fruition, like you said, Justin. Um, but um, I don't really know. AEW has been on the struggle bus lately. I really hope uh, this new show might create some good stuff, some good mojo. But uh, at this point, I guess I have to see what happens. Yeah, and I mean, I think the big struggle for AEW right now is this four pillars feud they're doing with MJF, Sammy Guevara, Darby Allen, and Jungle Boy. And it's just like, I don't know, you're trying to say these guys are the four pillars of AEW, yet the focus of your show on Dynamite this past Wednesday was uh, Kenny and Moxley in a steel cage match. It was a good steel cage match, you know, crazy stuff with them. Uh, every cage, any cage match, no matter what company it is in, always loses a point with me if there's outside interference because then what's the point of the cage? And we had Don Callis turn on Kenny Omega, though I don't know if he's actually joining with the BCC um, or if he's just sick of Kenny Omega and his antics, who knows? But, yeah, I mean, the world title feud has definitely been you know, dragging AEW down to the point where it's like, are these guys really going to main event the next pay-per-view? Are we going to get some kind of Blackpool combat club and, uh, elite style? Like, I don't know. It's, um, uh, stadium stampede match in Las Vegas. Cause you figure you got, um, you got Wheeler Yuta, you've got Cesaro, you got Brian Danielson, you got John Moxley, and then you got obviously Kenny and the Bucks, um, you got Takashita, and then you've got, of course, you know, there's rumors that Kota Ibushi could be coming in. 
you know, then who would be the fifth person on the BCC side? Who knows? But it's it's so funny that it's just a difference between two feuds where you've got that feud going on where it's like these guys are just kicking each other's ass and doing whatever the hell they want in a cage. And then you've got, you know, MJF, Sammy Guevara, Jungle Boy, and Darby Allen trying to cut promos. Like, Darby Allen cutting promos that he should never be cutting. Like, no, that's like, I don't want to hear Darby Allen talking about, like, you know, stuff like, you know, championships and backstage politics like that's not the Darby Allen character that I want to see I just want to see him be like the outcast crazy guy out there jumping around jumping off things and especially when you know that I don't think any of these guys are beating MJF for the title and it's tough for me for them to call him pillars when you know these guys really haven't done much I mean Jungle Boy has really done almost nothing in AEW uh, Sammy Guevara is, you know, he floats around. He's with Chris Jericho. He's not. He's a face. He's a heel. And, you know, Darby Allen's probably had the most success with the TNT title run. But, again, he's not being treated as, like, a top star. And I understand by pillars they mean these guys are going to hold up the company for years to come. But you figure at this point we're, what, uh, four years into AEW or almost four years into AEW, you figure by this point they would have made a little bit more noise in the company than they have been. But unfortunately, that just hasn't been the case, which makes it tough to take this kind of match seriously, calling them pillars and having them not made a huge mark yet in uh, the company. Um, I guess just those two feuds I brought up, Cam, as we finish up here, what are your thoughts on them? Yeah, I mean, they should have just called it like the original originals or something. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. I think that um, well, to start with that, I mean, I think that jungle boy still isn't there promo wise like his promo is kind of silly two weeks ago and then or yeah two weeks ago and then i mean i don't know i just mjf is obviously the champion here it's kind of reminds me of like if roman reigns faced fucking um ivar and you know just random guys otis and some other like random guys that yeah they get tv time and yeah they maybe they've won a title here or there but <clears throat> nothing to take away but i just feel like it's it's not a double or nothing main event. This is their biggest show of the year or their second biggest show of the year. Excuse me. <clears throat> so I feel like it's a little lackluster of a main event. Um, and MJF's going to win. So it's just, just a way to say, Hey, you know, you guys have been here since the beginning, your originals, and here's your uh, main event match that you'll probably never have again. Um, so it is what it is. I mean, I feel, and then to move over to like the cage match. I mean, I thought it was a pretty good match. I mean, I think I give kudos to Kenny. I mean, they had their lights out match, uh, a few years ago, but Kenny, you know, he he really took some took some shit from John Moxley, who John Moxley just really enjoys that. And I imagine Renee Young every week backstage is just like, dude, come on, like, can you not? Like, we have kids now, like, can you stop? <laughs> um, well, I found it funny. I think I saw her that she like said she was in Toronto like last weekend with her family, and she left the kid with John. I'm like, you left that kid with John? That kid's gonna be blading by the time you get back home. Like, what the <laughs> hell are you thinking? Like look what I taught her. I look at I taught our kid while you while you were gone. <laughs> <laughs> just the kid. The um, kid's crib is just filled with glass that he's, the kid's been jumping into. You know. Yeah, just jumping into it, like learn to sell. You know, it's good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's hilarious. But I, I mean, Don Callis turning. I mean, yeah, like you said, is he going to be like the with the BCC now? Which I don't think would be doesn't fit their like agenda or doesn't fit their like persona like Don Cal is like this sleazy guy. These guys are just ass kickers. Daniel Bryan has done an amazing job being the leader of this crew. Um, so I think Don Callis maybe just tired of Kenny Omega who knows, but what's that going to lead to like Kenny Omega versus Don Callis match? Like what is this fucking impact wrestling? Um, so who knows? 
maybe it's just a way to get Don Callis off TV. Maybe Kenny just beats the crap out of him. Um, and at some point, I feel like we are going to get like an eight-man tag, some sort of like no holds bar DQ match type of type of deal. Maybe the first ever TLC match. They'll call it something different, obviously. <clears throat> but some sort of match like that that we'll get a double nothing is like the co-main event. Um, but yeah, I mean, Dynamite's been lackluster. I mean, I think outside of that feud, there's nothing really going on that's noteworthy on the show. And uh, to end it, like their reality show is not very good, and it's just a few different guys complaining and Adam Cole is the only person that I care about on the whole show. All right, Chairman, what are your thoughts on, on those two feuds? I think it's funny that Don Callis was the one that screwed Moxley out of the AEW world championship a couple of years ago. Winter is coming as Kenny Omega. And now Don Callis screws over Kenny this time in a match against, you know, Moxley. So it's almost like the world's going circles. I don't know if mom Callis is going to be like kind of their manager mouthpiece now i mean regal was kind of that guy until he left so i mean now if let's say don Callis does join up with the blackpool combat club are they gonna change themselves to the what was it calgary or winnipeg i don't remember which one of those two cities Callis claims he's from thinks winnipeg so they call themselves the winnipeg combat club or something else i don't know i mean i don't know what they're gonna do with the pay-per-view i mean with these guys whatever i mean i'm kind of done with it honestly it, it does nothing for me um i guess uh we'll talk about the pillars then you know the match i, I have no problem with the match because i mean they've talked about the four pillars for years now and of course you know we're four years in and i feel like jungle boy jack perry is a weak pillar i feel like it's crumbling i don't think he is a guy that you could build a promotion around he's a solid mid-card guy but I don't see him ever being a world champion at this point ever. Like he just doesn't have the promo skills. His most successful stuff was his tag team and a good feud of Christian cage. Who's a, you know, a very, very long tenured guy. Christian is, you know, he's put a lot of guys over over the years. So, but you know, I feel like MGF is MGF. We've talked time and time about him. You know, there's no need to go down that road. Hence that is why he's the champion right now. And of course, Sammy and, Darby, they're solid. I think there is definitely some long-term potential with both those guys. Sammy's a sleazeball, but he is a phenomenal wrestler. He has all the tools. Same with Darby. Darby has the no-nonsense, you know, doesn't give a damn, you know, puts his body on the line. You know, he's got a unique gimmick. You know, he's got Sting in his corner. So, I mean, Sammy and, and Darby, I could see being world champion down the road, but Jungle Boy, unfortunately, but I don't see you being there. I just better not see Sammy Guevara on Dynamite next week because when Chris Jericho got served those papers last night from Roderick Strong banning the entire Jericho Appreciation Society from the arena, last time I checked, Sammy Guevara is in that faction, even though he hasn't been kind of with them during his Adam Cole saga. So he better not be on TV next week or I'm calling bullshit on Tony Khan his terrible writing. Yeah, Jack Tunney would never put up with any of that kind of shit. He would make sure they were all banned uh, from ringside, I'd think so. Um, So that is our show for this week. Caught up in everything in the world of pro wrestling. And we will be back with you guys next week. So for my co-host Cam and the chairman, Stephen Vincent, I'm Justin C. signing off, and we will talk to you then.